Well, good morning, everyone here at Calvary Bible Church. How are we? Good, good. You guys look like you're a little tired this morning. Is it the cold weather? Uh, well, what a joy it is to be here. It's been awesome just to hang out with uh, your elders and uh, pastoral staff. So it's been a joy to just be in town. We came out here in October uh, just because my oldest daughter, who's adopted, got married. So that brought the whole crew out, and we've just been making our way all around. We were here, we were in California, and now we're back in Texas. And so we're loving, we're hoping to get up to Boston uh, to have a white Christmas. I, we just realized that some of my kids had never hung out in snow. And so we wanted to make sure that they experienced snow, at least learned what snow was from uh, living in my home. <laughs> so, uh, so we're going to go up and try and have a white Christmas here at the end of, uh, at, for Christmas time. So that's kind of what's going on. What I want to do in uh, this short time is kind of uh, share an, uh, about the ministry. Some people know about, how many have heard, have seen me before? A lot of new faces. Okay, at least you've seen me before. And, uh, but how many have been to Uganda in this room? One, two, uh-huh. Well, as you know, the cups live there with us. So, uh, we, uh, every time we see them, we feel like it's a family reunion, and uh, so they served with us for seven years, so that's h- probably how you're affiliated with us. I want, I'll give you a quick update, and I thought it'd be fun to allow my family to come up and let you guys ask them any questions so that we can kind of have a little family time. Does that sound good? Oh, does that sound good? Okay, good. We're going to warm you up to make it a little bit of an African service here. Uh, But um, let me start by just telling you our two missions. Uh, Our two missions, we we do want interaction, just so you know. We're going to kind of get you warmed up that way. Is that okay? Oh, let me try. Is that okay? All right. Woo! Okay. Uh, So our, our ministry has two missions. First is to reach our community for Jesus Christ. We moved into a small little village called Kuba Mitwe. It's called what? Uh, you guys, I like it. You're warming up. All right. It's called Kuba Mitwe, which means literally hit the head in Luganda. And so that's, be, that's because we're one of seven locations in the Buganda kingdom where they would actually do executions for crimes. And so... Uh, we didn't really realize that when we moved there, and we certainly didn't tell the cups that before they moved there. Uh, but uh, so we moved to this small little village, and and we moved there specifically because we always knew we wanted to do a training center. We always knew we wanted to train pastors because obviously the solution to uh, challenges and societies is the church, right? How many believe that? Okay, good. And so, uh, and I always say missions is either strengthening the church or building the church, one or the other. And so, um, we moved into that small little village uh, because we wanted to create a model for what we would want our pastors to be doing long term. And so, in our village, we said we have to reach them. Now, with that, let me just give you a context of the people that we are dealing with. And, uh, and the, the sweet thing is, is the cups went through so much of this with us. But we came into a community that basically was lawless, if you will. 
Uh, and if you want to understand what that looks like, and you want to even understand what your ancestry looks like, go to your Bible, look up the word Gentile. Because Gentile is anybody that's not a Jew. And so you look up the word Gentile and just read what it has to say. And then you'll understand what your heritage was like and what it's like in many places of the world today. Uh, in, in our village, as the Bible says, it says that the Gentiles are given over to the lusts and the passions of their, of their flesh. That is, they are just given over to it. If they are angry... They'll go and they'll, they'll try and kill you. If they uh, see somebody pretty, they're going to go and approach them. They're just given over to the lusts and the passions of their flesh. Another way to look at it is in theological terms, we recognize that people are doing what is right in their own. And why? Because they have no king. Because they have no king and they don't even understand king. And we can even understand in our society, even in America today, and where things are going, what's the big issue in America is that we've thrown the king out, we don't believe in a God, and now everybody's doing what's right in their own, in their own eyes. So I get, we've gotten the privilege of going to a society where there is no king, and as a result, there's no marriage. And when there's no marriage, there's no society. The whole fabric of your society is broken down. And let me explain what that looks like so that you can understand where America's going, okay? Uh, but uh, when you have no marriage, now what happens is you have children, but those children belong to who? Huh? To no one, really. <laughs> to the state. In, in America's situation, that'd be the, the, what would happen because we have money in our country to even do something. In the African context, that's not even what happens. Legally, they belong to the man because he's the, the man. You know, just so he's got more muscle than the woman does. So uh, in the end of the day, it's all, that's just how the society is set up. And as a result of that... Um, she comes into that house with that child and, and recognizes that ultimately the child belongs to him unless she can take him when they go. But he goes and gives all the promises that he's going to provide security and money. And in a situation where it's an impoverished country, that is enticing, right? And so what happens is they have their children, but that doesn't cause them to be committed to each other. He is usually off getting to know other individuals as well. So it doesn't take long till another child is produced, and that child is then either left with that man, and, uh, and then the stepmother comes in, and we know how the story of Cinderella, right? So that's literally what happens in our society. Uh, or what happens is uh, she then takes the children and, uh, and, and goes off with those children, but... When a new guy comes on the scene, that new guy doesn't want that financial burden of those children, so they go to the grandparents. So that's typically what happens. Well, I always tell people that probably the biggest challenge in Africa is the fact that you have abandoned children everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, we have, in our home, we've got legal children. Those are the eight children that were read to you. We have five adopted and three biological. And then what we have is then we have our 
illegal children, uh, which those are a bunch of kids from our community that we love and care for and provide education for. We put them in boarding school, and then they come back and live with us when they're not in boarding school, and that's another 35 kids. And these kids are all kids that have just been really, in many ways, abandoned. Their parents don't provide for them. There's a one person on or both parents have passed away due to AIDS and things like this, uh, or just because there's not hospitals to care for them. Like our youngest child, Elijah, we got him, and as well the cut child, uh, were given to me at a burial. The mom was giving birth to their child, and uh, in birth, died, and then the man was never on the scene, and so then abandoned all of these children. And, uh, and so we praise the Lord for the, for the Cup family, loving little Evelyn, and, uh, and sacrificing the way they're sacrificing for that little child, because it's a real life that really needs someone to love them, right? And, uh, and so, and anyhow, I, for me, even, I would love for you to even clap for the Cup family, because for us, they're heroes. Will you clap for me? Uh, so the day that they announced that they were going to go back, I swear, that was a hard day. For a month, I mourned and, uh, and just cried over it, and I uh, was so depressed that, that the cups are going to leave us. And, uh, and so that was such a hard thing, because we loved them with such deep affection, and, uh, and loved these kids. They're like my own uh, kids in some ways, and it's just neat to see God just continue to build and, and, uh, into their lives, but... We recognize that the mission field is hard. Anybody that says it's not hard doesn't know what they're talking about or needs to get on mission on the mission field or something. I don't know what's going on, but, uh, but it is hard because you, you love and you give your life to, to the mission and you give your life to families and people come and go. It's challenging, but the sweetness is to see the progress of the gospel and you recognize that we're not living for this kingdom, right? We're living for the kingdom to come. It's not about this world. It's not about what we see here. It's about pleasing our master who we don't see. And that's what missions is about. That's what ministry is about. That's what Christianity is about, right? And uh, we'll talk some of this, about some of this later on today. And, and uh, so our first mission is to reach this community that has no king. And, uh, and I was just saying that uh, as re- that's why kids are abandoned everywhere. In addition to that... That relationship, it's hard to get it established. That woman, if she gets pushed out of that home, has nothing. And, uh, and so with that, she has her money, he has his money, and then uh, they both kind of exist in the same home but never become one. And that is just the typical situation in Africa. Then you have all of your alcohol. Alcohol is brewed with bananas and things like that. It dominated our society when we got there. Uh, there are times we were dr- there was a time we drove down the road at, at night, and there was a drunk guy right in them. That, you know, in dirt roads, you get these ruts where the tires all go. There's a, a guy that's completely drunk right laying inside that rut. And if I was going my normal uh, mock speed, <laughs> uh, then we would have smushed him like a grape. But uh, alcohol dominates a society like that because it's depressed they don't necessarily, they get, get hopeless, and so they turn over to these types of things. So, uh, and, and not only that, but anger and bitterness and lack of trust then dominate these societies as well. Because 
you know, so-and-so cheated on so-and-so, or so-and-so, uh, you know, called me this name or shamed me this way, and so I'm going to go after him. We'll never forget a time when uh, um, someone got hit on the finger by another guy by a hoe on accident. Well, that guy, we got him stitches and got him uh, all cared for. Well, he was so angry that he turned around and, and he went and took a machete out and took this guy's hand off from here down to here. And uh, because of, he was just angry that he had been hurt this way. And so that's the kind of society where there is no king. That's what happens as well when you have a police system that doesn't uphold justice. And, uh, but see, these are all the beautiful effects of living in America. In America, we have a justice system. In America, we have laws where we recognize as a country a king. Am I right? And, uh, and you say, well, what do you mean? Well, if you get pregnant and you can't just abandon a child, you then get alimony, right? Things like that then support our system to ensure the moral fabric of our society is built and established. We still grow up with an understanding of this is marriage. At least we did a generation ago. This is not marriage. Uh, and so those are the things that have made our country significant. So we went into our small little village and we said, how can we reach this community for Christ? And we came in with this message. There is a king. Kids, tell me there is a, a little louder, there is a king. Thank you very much. You're allowed to yell at me. That's just fine. And his way is the best. And his way is the good. There is a king and his way is the, and his way is the best. That was the message we'd go in and we say, but the challenge, you may want to follow the king, but you can't follow the king until you deal with your pro one problem. That problem is called what? Sin. And we would then tell them how to deal with their sin problem. And, uh, and so much of, of ministry there and reaching our community is one-on-one -on -one discipleship. And, and uh, we, what we did was start all these different discipleship groups. And uh, these little Bible studies. And, uh, and just began to take them through. I wrote a book called Quest for Truth. And we would take them through that book, and it would enable all kinds of conversations. And, uh, and from that, we started Church in My Home. And when we started that Church in My Home, then it was, it was fun because at that point, uh, you know, people started coming. A few people came, but they started coming. And uh, we'll never forget days in our home where all of a sudden someone would stand up and say, you know what, I am so guilty of my own sin. I have I, I need to surrender my life to Christ. And right there in our living room, someone would bend the knee to Christ. And, and then after that, someone else would raise their hand. And you'd have a little revival right in your own home. And, uh, and so after a while, your ho our home was so filled with people that we said, okay, we got to build a church building. And so then we took and we went and got a church building and built that. And uh, I think that's when the cups came at that point, right? And, uh, and so with that, then people started coming to our church. And uh, then we started little Bible studies in our communities. And, uh, and continue to disciple these leaders. And, and as a result of that, all of a sudden, you know, that your church building becomes full. Today we have 400 people coming to church on a Sunday morning. And, uh, and literally we've been able to see a whole society of people change because they recognize there is a 
king and his way is the the best. And as a result, what we've seen is we've seen marriages come. So we probably have about 25 people that have gotten married. One of the kids in my home just last night did the old, they've learned some American traditions, so they did an engagement. Uh, I don't, we'll have to forward those on to you, Damon, to show. Emmanuel got engaged last night, so he goes and gets all romantic, so we're teaching him new, awesome, incredible romance. Guys, if you need lessons, we're ready to give them. So I was giving Dan Kirk a few uh, romantic tips. No, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, so, so with that, you, we've just began to see God literally change our society because his word is sufficient to do that. And when these, so now what you're seeing in our society is marriage. And so I think you guys probably heard back in the day when we had seven marriages on one day. Uh, which was kind of a, a historical moment for us, which was tons of fun. And, uh, but with this marriage, all of a sudden now they become one. And we try and say, now you bring your bank accounts together and become one. Now you bring everything and become one. And, uh, and form that family. And now with that, you're finding men carrying their children. Formerly, men would buy kids. Uh, some of you aren't kids, though. You know, you're, no, I'm just kidding. So, uh, so with that, um, all of a sudden what happened, you, you know, men would, they would typically just be brought their meal, they'd eat alone, and all of the children would fear them. And uh, now all of a sudden what happens is they have dinner with their families. And, uh, and, and, and you know, and all of a sudden da- children, instead of running from their dads, they're coming to their dads, and you're seeing dads carry their children. I mean, this is all a work of the transformation that God takes place and the knowledge of God as master. And remember the Great Commission, all authority has been given to what? To me. Therefore, what? Go and make what? Even better than disciples is the word followers. Go and make what? Followers. I'm the king. I've been given all authority. Now go make followers. And what are we to do? We're to baptize them and then we are to teach them to what? Observe all that God has commanded because God knows his way is the best. And the greatest loving thing we can do for our societies is help them know there is a king and help them learn to follow in his ways. That's why we love biblical counseling. And that's why biblical counseling's model or methods should be kingdom. And, uh, and this whole principle that God's, the, there is a king and his way is the best. And so literally we've been able to see God transform our society. One way and strategy we've used to reach our society is to put a primary school together. And, uh, and so the cups have been so pivotal on the building side of things. But we built a primary school. Today we've, we started with kindergarten and first grade. Then every year we would add a grade, second grade, and then third grade, all the way up to, we have up through, let's just say, seventh grade for using your terms, in terms of that ends our primary school, where we now have 450 kids going to school, and it's where we disciple these kids, we educate and disciple these children to know and love Christ. And so the official language in English is English in Uganda, but the majority of people don't know English in a... And nobody knew English in our society, really. Primarily, nobody knew English in our society because education wasn't there. Now we have all of this next generation of kids all 
coming up learning and knowing English. And, uh, and so we're discipling these kids right from the time they're young so that their consciences would be informed from the time they're young of God's way. So that they go and know that this is, uh, that, that this is what's for marriage and this is what's not for marriage and, and what marriage is and, and all of these different moral principles that are embedded in our society and are in our own hearts since from the time we're young. So that would be what we're doing in our primary school. And, uh, and we continue to also reach out to those who have disability uh, in our country. And in, uh, in Uganda, someone who has disability, they don't get the care. They don't get the help. And so we've partnered with Johnny and Friends in America, and uh, we are their hub in East Africa. And so we're caring for those who have disability or suffering from disability in our own village. It's kind of a new initiative that we've begun but uh, the end result is we've seen God just literally transform a society of people. And it's been fun and exciting to just watch that. And uh, the early testimonies, every Thanksgiving, we'll just stop and do a little American Thanksgiving with our, our workers. And we'll just talk about what we're thankful to God for for the year. And I remember early on, someone gave the testimony that, I, that when someone asked me where I was from, I would never tell them Kuba Mitwe. I tell them I'm from Entebbe, and Tebe is uh, like the airport, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm from this place, but, uh, but he, then they said, but now when someone asks me where I'm from, I'll tell them, Entebbe, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, Kubamitwe, you know, because they're now proud of where they're from, and uh, so literally you've seen God transform a whole society. Uh, right there in Kubamitwe, we started off with with, with no electricity, no running water, and today we have over 70 buildings, electricity, running water, and, and everything. And uh, I'll never forget this church coming when we only had solar power. And uh, I remember early on, some people came on a missions trip, that first missions trip, which was awesome, from your church. And uh, every night they're like, why does the electricity go out? <laughs> you know, we would always have to uh, go between do we want water or do we want lights at night? And that was our decision. And uh, because if you use the power to do the water, then at night you wouldn't have enough power to have electricity all night. So then your, you know, your refrigerator would go out and all of those things. So you know, we're always trying to go like this. And, I, and we came here early on and this church aided us by helping us get a generator so that we had some backup electricity. And We'll never forget those sweet moments of uh, praising the Lord that God had provided our needs. So it's amazing to see how far we've come and what God has done uh, through these years, through these 15 years we've been in Uganda. Second mission, and I'm going to go more quickly because I want to give you guys time to be, know my wife and, and my children, have them come up and talk. And we'll even let the cups ask my kids questions just to ask them hard ones. Uh, but uh, the second mission that we have is to strengthen churches throughout Uganda. Uh, we work with the Baptist Union of Uganda and the Baptist Convention of South Sudan. And, uh, and these are relationships that the Lord has built so strongly and with so much trust. The biggest thing in Africa relationally is get trust. They don't trust you until proven otherwise. In America, we trust until proven otherwise. They don't trust you until proven otherwise. 
And, uh, and so as a result of that, we've spent the last 11 years building a relationship with the Baptist Union, doing conferences for them, leadership trainings, all of the, all these different uh, uh, church visitations. We'd go and get in a car and just visit all, of, all throughout Uganda. I know Uganda better than most Africans know, Ugandans know Uganda, uh, just because I, you know, have traveled to every little nook and cranny of the country, visiting churches and building relationships. If you want to express love to them, you go and visit them. And so we would go and we'd visit them and continue to go and visit them. This last year I did it with the president of the Baptist Union. But we've built a relationship that's so strong with the Baptist Union of Uganda that, uh, that we've earned their trust. And they would come to our conferences and they'd be like, oh my goodness, I've never heard teaching like this. Give me more, give me more, up to the point where they're like, will you train our pastors? Please come train our pastors. And so with that, we've just established a pastoral training center uh, basically, uh, a year, two years ago, we had our first class of our, our phase one of our pastoral training center. And uh, so with that, we, uh, what we do is we're basically take, we work with the, the Baptist Union. They have nine regions. We say, guys, send us five guys from your region. So there's 1,500 Baptist churches. And, uh, but they're divided into nine regions. We'll say, send us five of your guys. They send five of their guys, so bank, 45 uh, right off the bat. Then South Sudan sends 10, so there's 55. And then we get five from uh, local areas, Pentecostal churches. And, uh, and so that's what we end up doing to grab the guys. We train them up in our phase one. Now, these pastors are not like, you know, the master's seminary uh, pastors, Okay. Uh, let me give you an example. When they first came year one, Damon was there with this group. Uh, there were 40 men. And uh, these 40 men that came in, we found out that, um, as, so what our goal in our phase one is to take them through the gospel. Because the health, wealth, prosperity gospel is what dominates the society. So we said, okay, we're going to take them through the gospel. We're going to help them understand the gospel and Christian living. And we're going to help them understand and develop a relationship with God. And it sounds fundamental because it's necessary. They're not having a relationship with God. So we need to aid them in that. And so, and as an example of that, because they've been not been taught how to follow the king. And so as a result of that, we're, we're going, we're taking them through the gospel. I'm taking them through the doctrine of man class. I want to show them that they are sinners. Well, they are so filled with sin that they're like depressed in the middle of my class. And uh, because we start talking about God's plan, for how God designed marriage, and they recognize that they aren't married. Thirteen of these men were not married biblically. And so that means that they, they were immoral and having children, but not married in a way that honors the Lord. So as a result of that, they're like coming to me saying, Shannon, you know, what do we do? Uh, do we just drop out? What do we do? And for them to say that is significant because it, it didn't become about the grade anymore. It became about their own lives. And, uh, and so as a result of that, you know, that's where we're at. So we began to say, that's exactly where we want you. And, and many of these men, I went right before I came out here to Uganda and did a wedding for one of these guys, Ronald Opio. Uh, and, 
had a, an incredible time with him. And he's like, look, I want to just get right with the Lord. And uh, I keep getting harassed by another guy saying, I need to get married. I need to get married. Will you come and do this wedding? I'm like, guys, I can't do all of your weddings. Uh, but, uh, but they're wanting to get, they're recognizing what biblical marriage is. And these wives, are, these wives, these women who become wives are like, thank you, thank you, thank you, because of the impact that they're seeing in their own husband's uh, and so this is what's going on. And, I mean, so we're taking these pastors, really, who are just the same as the society around them, and we're trying to get them to follow the king. And then what we want to do is our phase two, our phase three, which is not built out yet, we want to then take these families and teach the families to follow the king. Because when you've not gotten married biblically, you've stolen that woman from their home. So there is a deep problem between you and that family because you stole their daughter and not only that but because of the, in in the african society beating your wife is part of the society and so there are probably deep issues that are going on and patterns that they've not established in their marriage to make it a marriage that's uh, that's biblical. And so we want to teach that them all to follow that king. And even the relationship between the dad and the children needs to be well established and, 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 uh, and healed, if you will. And so our phase two, phase three, we're going to build out family housing units. And so we are, we're going to build 90 of those family housing units. And uh, it's going to cost us $2 million to do that, but we're going after it. And uh, that's what our goal is, is within these next six, six years to put up these family units, start phase two and phase three <coughs> fully operating so that we can then begin to produce 30 men out every year that are fully equipped in Africa. And so that when they leave SOS, having learned what it is to follow the king, they go out into their societies, their communities, and help those communities what? Follow the king. And then we're carrying out the Great Commission. And hopefully they're getting it modeled right there in Kuba Mitwe of what that looks like and how to do that. So that they then go out and do the same in their own communities. And thus the church becomes the church. Being light and salt in their societies. And we'll talk some about that today. And so uh, that's what we're doing in Uganda. And uh, it's a crazy mission it's uh it's it's amazing just to see what god is doing and god totally is doing miracles all along the way i mean when you look when you look back we can't help but say my goodness lord praise be your name for what you're doing and so uh there are two big building campaigns we're doing right now one as it, one is the pastoral training phase two phase three like i said that's a two million dollar uh investment and we're going to rally the church to aid. We're going to rally businessmen to get involved. The second thing is we did a primary school, but we're continuing to add and do a secondary school. And so uh, that secondary school is, uh, is a, another uh, $700,000 to put a primary school there. So we're doing both of those capital campaigns right now to make those things happen. And obviously there's resources that go into uh, making these things operate as well and and so we're rallying our churches and rallying individuals just help us out and uh, I always tell people I live between the world that has and the world that doesn't have and so we this these are things that need to happen we need a factory 
that is going to produce God-fearing, fully equipped pastors. Amen? What would we do if we didn't have uh, the Master's Seminary? What would we do if we didn't have uh, uh, Southern Seminary? You know, that would be tragic. And the church would be greatly impacted. Well, we need to create these institutions that cost money, but we're going to rally the church and rally godly men to, to aid and help us in these initiatives. And so that's what we're about. That's what we're seeking to do uh, in that. And, you know, and we would call upon everyone to aid us. Please, whether it's $50 a month or something, just help us so that we, don't, we can continue to grow with, uh, with the needs of the whole organization. So... Um, let me have my kids come up here, and uh, let me let them and my wife, I'll officially introduce them up here. First of all, uh, here is my wife, Danielle, and, uh, and so everybody clap for her. So there's my wife, Danielle, and then here is my best-looking child right here, Emmett. <laughs> So they actually did it in, in, in age grades here. Then you have Evan, then you have Ethan, and then you have Zeke. So 19, 18, 15, and 11, and 20. No, <laughs> so uh, what we want to do is allow you guys to answer any questions. Anything you want to say, honey, that I've not said? Okay. We want to let you guys ask any questions you want of us just to get to know us Anything you would want to ask, uh, it's up to you guys as to what you want to ask. And if you don't ask a question, I can certainly ask questions of my kids. Yes, sir. Yes. In our village, no. In Uganda, if they're educated, yes. All testing is done in English. And that's why a village like mine, they have a school, but the kids never get taught properly. They can never pass the tests because they can't even read the tests because it's in English. Most people can't read Luganda well, nor can they read English. And so as a result of that, most don't ever learn, don't know the English language. However, when they get educated properly, then yes, they do. And so our kids are learning that. And this is the first year we're testing. So we'll find out how our kids at Legacy do testing. So they got to test, pass that testing at primary in order to go to secondary. And, uh, and our community feels so loved by our school because it's the most practical way we can possibly love them. So, yes. I mean, I feel like the Cubs should be answering this question because they <laughs> live there, but I'll answer it for them. Um, so a normal day is like normal day of school. We probably go from mom makes us breakfast every morning. We get our own coffees. It's pretty nice. And so that starts at 8, and then we go all the way to then school goes all the way to usually like 4. And then um, we have chores till like 5. 
And then after that, um, everyone like in the community, all the guys will come out and play soccer. And so we'll play um, till dinner, which is at seven, which mom doesn't like. She likes it way earlier. <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, yeah, when we were younger, we used to always go hunting and play in the bush. And we had our like little fort, we called it Greenleaf. And it was a lot of fun. So yeah, that's a normal day. Anything? That was it. Growing up in Uganda as a kid, um, life was kind of hard because, as my dad uh, said earlier, that like most kids do not have, um, like there is no such thing as marriage. And if there is no marriage, there is no commitment both to that, your spouse or your kids. So um, as he said, like um, the kids are nobody. So it's pretty much... Um, the kids are left to be um, handed over to the grandparents, which was the case with me. Uh, my mom had me when she was like 14 and could not take care of me. And uh, I don't think I was even one, like right out, of the, right out of the hospital, she gave me over to my grandpa. And I grew up, um, and I never met my dad. I never knew who my dad was, so. Um, my grandpa raised me till like um, the age of nine, and then he passed away. And from then on, pretty much nobody wanted me, and the Hurleys took me. Yeah. And probably school. Um, Ugandan schools are really, really bad, and there's a lot of, there isn't learning, it's more memorizing. And um, if you're good at it, you make it. If you're not, you, it just, um, it's bad. So I was not good at memorizing and, um, and I really, really suffered. So coming to the Hurleys, like around the age of nine, 10, I couldn't read. And that was because I never got that foundation. And I was just really, really scared because um, and, and at school, it's like, I guess you are beaten for everything. So you're trying to cram things in, but you're also scared because you can't meet the teacher's standards. Like, you're not good enough. So um, there was a lot of fear growing up, and it's so different. I wish there was a legacy back then. But. <laughs> so kids, teachers will literally have a stick in their pocket, and then they'll walk around, and if a kid isn't, obeying or isn't uh, answering the questions or participating they want, then they'll get, uh, so you don't want to get on the, the naughty list or get in that, that one student that the teacher doesn't like. You don't want to be that student because you'll pay for it. So, Ethan, what is, what is uh, one of the things you've enjoyed most growing up as a missionary kid? Um, I think the thing I've enjoyed most is just like the open space and just freedom to do whatever. I guess we didn't really go hunting until the cups came, so they kind of taught us what a BB gun was. <laughs> we were from California, so we didn't know. 
Um, but yeah, we just had a ton of open space and just land to just do whatever. I remember like making teepees out of like palm trees with the cups. And just like every day you'd finish school at 11 and then go out into the forest. And so, um, yeah, it was really fun. Uh, I guess it's really cool just to see God change people's lives. Because you see, um, you see people like who are drunkards and all of a sudden they're loving God. So it's really cool. Good. Yes. How many workers? Uh, so we have, uh, today we have 11 managers. Uh, then we have 130 workers that work with SOS. So you can see. All of, the, those, all of those are national Ugandans. Yeah, so you can see then we have four missionary families. And so, uh, yeah, so it's a, a big ministry. It's a big organization that uh, takes a lot of management and just like any other organization here. And so, uh, you know, but again, I think that, and the sweet thing is we're able to disciple all of those employees. There's Bible studies going on, leaders who we've built up. Uh, it's been uh, really cool to see God just really, I mean, the, the place is a sweet place to be. Everybody loves being just there at SOS because of the love that they feel. You come there, everybody will give you a hug and, uh, and just make you feel welcome and, and feel loved. And so, uh, you know, one thing we say all the time, it's such a wonderful place to be that there's some who uh, are not Christians but are living under the shade and the sweetness of Christianity because, I mean, even that, that whole parable where, you know, Christianity starts with a mustard seed and becomes this big tree where, where you know, birds can uh, dwell in safety, if you will. And uh, that's what SOS has become right in the middle of that village. And so there's many who are enjoying the shade of Christianity without knowing Christ. So we're always challenging them. You need to know Christ. And so, uh, you know, so it is a call to them. Maybe, Danielle, maybe tell them what COVID was, uh, was, has been so like. So we had um, restrictions starting in March. So our um, borders were closed in March, and then for two months we couldn't be in a vehicle because if you, they didn't want us to carry the disease to any other city, and they thought if we could only be within walking distance, then the disease would be contained. So for two months, if you got in a vehicle, um, you would be arrested and your car would be impounded unless you had a special medical certificate and it took about five hours to get that and you had to take back roads to get to the government office to get that certificate or else you could still get pulled over without for not having that certificate so um so shannon had warned us all to stock up on groceries and so for those two months we mostly just um ate out of our pantries but then we did have a couple medical um, issues, one of our missionary kids broke his arm, and that was very sad, but we were very glad that we could get groceries. So um, that, that was what, what our restrictions were like, and then um, they've, then also all gatherings, over five people were shut down. So we had to close Shepherd's Training Center and Legacy Christian Academy and our local church. But the sweet thing was that when our local church closed, then Shannon um, wrote Bible studies, and they were translated into Luganda every week and distributed to all of our surrounding villages so that for the first time, families were leading 
um, were having their own times of worship and Bible study in their homes, whereas before they were so dependent on the church that they weren't doing that. So that was a huge blessing. We also saw a lot more discipleship because people had more time. So a lot more formal discipleship was happening um, during that lockdown. And then just the Sunday that we came here in October, um, church opened up to um, a maximum of 70 people. So we just opened up four different locations on campus of 70 people with four preachers, four worship teams, four sound systems. And so we had four simultaneous services on our campus. And now it's opened up further to having um, groups of 200. So now we have two simultaneous groups of 200. So there's just been a lot of blessings, even seeing all of the leaders rise up for those services um, and and serving that who weren't serving as much before that. So the Lord has um, definitely provided a lot of benefits and blessings of COVID. Yeah, we've literally, we are overwhelmed on just how, one, everybody's calling us mom and dad now and uh, just showing the relationship that they feel with us and the intimacy they they feel with uh, our family. Uh, and not only that, but we're just seeing, you know, guys that are stepping up to leadership and they've all had the ability they've all learned a certain amount but then to go in that next level and step into a leadership role has been really amazing where I mean it's just like an army we started as well a discipleship initiative where if someone would like to be discipled one-on-one we'll make those arrangements and so people we got probably 50 different sheets of people wanting that and so we assigned them to different leaders and uh and just watch these leaders rise up and so you know, to go from the point where it's like, okay, you're doing everything to the point where you can say, hey, can you go help at this guy? Can you go help this guy? It's really thrilling to see, and, uh, and again, a story of God's grace in the lives of, of the people and what God's doing in Africa, in, you, in, in our village. I mean, Uganda is white under harvest, and so now it's a matter of how the responsibility we have to bring about that harvest. And so sometimes people are saying, Shannon, why are you all over the place? There's a harvest. We got to get going. We can't just sit around. We got We got work to do. And so that's really our, what drives us. And uh, and so we we love what God is doing. We're thrilled, and we're just excited to see the the army that God is going to build out of all of this. And so we praise the Lord for that. Any other questions? And uh, video, whatever. I don't really mind the video. I can. You can't show it in church, right? Or you can't, okay, you can't show it. So maybe when we're done, I'll hit the video and you can watch it as you transition that way. It just shows you our training center. You may have even seen it, I don't know. Or you can go on the end. If you go to our website, go to the bottom, and there's a Vimeo, there's a V at the bottom. Hit that V and you can see all kinds of preaching. You can see all kinds of videos. Yes. Cool. Thanks, that would be a blessing. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. He does not sound like a Ugandan. <laughs> it's because he came into our house early enough that he adapted to his family. Yes. Um, but would you like to hear a Ugandan dialect? Here. Z- I don't have one. No, just speak speak Luganda. Go ahead. No, speak English. 
Yeah, speak, speak English, Luganda English. We'll get uh, the cut boys up here too. How are you? <laughs> Evan, go ahead and you help out. Go ahead, go ahead. Actually, you can too. Yes, you can. Uh, I'm very happy to be at this church with you, and I'm very happy to see the cups again. <laughs> Thank you for having us. <laughs> Good. As well, we have British accent. Go ahead, Evan. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he does the best British accent. Maybe ask him later. So, good. Any other, uh, any other questions? Yes. Well, that's not typical. That's just four months of the year. So, Because they go to boarding school and then come back. Although with COVID, they were around, but we made other different arrangements not to kill my wife. So, Yeah, so during the weekdays um, in the morning, we so basically they're divided into teams. And then each chore has a team captain. And then I just meet up with the team captain. So, for example, there's a breakfast team captain, and then they have um, a little team who they prepare breakfast and then set it out for everybody. Um, and so I only make breakfast for my legal kids, my husband. And then, um, then we have devotions, and then I go straight to school, and I actually have someone, a lady who comes in and helps clean up the kitchen after so that I can go straight to school. So um, I have lots of perks and blessings like that. And then for lunch, I just make lunch for my own kids because we have a staff kitchen that um, can feed up to 650 people um, during a normal week whenever all the schools are in session. And then we go back to school. And then in the afternoons, I either have Bible studies or meetings with women. Um, or dates with individual kids, and then um, I spend about three hours, when everyone's home, then I spend about three hours making dinner, but the girls help me. So she'll make dinner for all the 40. So breakfast is simpler. They'll do either bread and butter or something like that, and tea, and someone will make that tea. Lunch is cooked by SOS staff, and then she'll cook dinner for everybody. The, the showtime is dinner. That's like the big, <laughs> the big thing. So, um, but the girls are sweet and helpful, and then we have dishes um, teams, and so I barely ever wash a dish, so it works out great. And then we have nighttime activities as well. Each night kind of has its own little activity, and uh, the best one being date night on Wednesday night, and so, uh, you know, so there's different activities that way at night, but we'll do, when their students are home, we'll do devotions every morning with the students, and then, uh, you know, we'll have... Bible study nights, but they will, when they do community night, they'll all, wherever they're sleeping, they'll have a community leader that leads them in whatever. And again, we're trying to teach them what family is like so that they do family one day the same way they learned it in our home. So it's critical that we model what that's supposed to look like so that they then have that same value as they then get older. Because this is where they're seeing family. This is what's going to change the society long term. And that's what's been so awesome is have all the missionary families providing a godly example of, of a godly home. So, well, we have come out, run out of time. Yes.
<laughs> I think it's some I think the cup boys did something. <laughs> so basically uh we mixed up and then half of us got on one side of the boat and then the other half on the other and we shook it until it cracked in half. <laughs> <laughs> and then we hit it so that the people won't find it. If we want to bring out stories, Damien, we should bring out a <laughs> oh, we won't go there. <laughs> But let me just say this as we end. We are in God's kingdom. There is a king over this universe. And each of us are on our way to the celestial city of which we await that king. And I think in the midst of Disneyland, often which is the case here in America, we can get caught up in Disneyland and forget the reality that we are in his kingdom and getting the privilege and joy of living every day mindful of the king. Even as we enjoy his universe and play and eat wonderful food, to give him the honor as the master and the maker of it all is worthy of him, right? And, uh, but we have a responsibility to represent him in this world. He saved us that we would present, we would present his excellencies, right? And so I just want to encourage you guys, may we be about it. May we be living for his kingdom and, uh, and, and come alongside as we help us to do what needs to be done that side for his kingdom. But this, we are only intense awaiting the day we'll meet our king. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father, we just pray that you would be glorified in us. Father, I want to thank you while in this church for the tremendous gift of the Cup family. Thank you for the love that we have for them. Thank you for the sweet memories that we've shared on that side of the ocean. Thank you for all that you've done in using that sweet family in the life of our ministry in Uganda. Father, thank you for the gift of giving us those pilgrims like Christian uh, having faithful next to their side. And thank you for those sweet joys. And thank you for the people that you bring along, alongside after. But Lord, we just praise you for the gift of this church and their faithful support of our ministry, both in personnel and in resources. And Father, we just pray that you would use this church, that it would be filled with vision for your kingdom purposes, that it would not settle to just float and meet every week, but it would be penetrating the society in which it lives in. And, and that the world would be changed because this church exists. Oh, living God, for the, your glory and for the good of this society, may this church carry out its function. And Father, I pray that the children in this church would know the sweet joy of the fact that there is a king. May they walk in your ways, O oh God, and know that your ways are the best, having dealt with their sin problem and surrendered themselves to follow after you. Oh God, would that work of grace take place in the young and the old here for the praise, glory, and honor of your name we pray. Amen.